Hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show, episode number three. It's coming out a day earlier than the previous two, and it's shorter than the previous two. Why is that? Because I, your host, Marcus Nez, <laughs> and I forgot to say all that shit, but uh, I'm thinking about doing two episodes a week one on tuesday one on friday and having them be shorter because that'll allow me a little less time for things to happen like what happened with the hand of merlin where i completely forgot what the game was and gradually remembered more and more as i talked about it and whatnot so there would be less time for that to happen and i think having two shorter episodes as opposed to one longer one would be better as well uh, i don't know about you but i think it's a good idea and in some extents or it would be easy to probably think oh you're you're gonna be adding additional work to your yourself you're gonna be doing two episodes instead of one that sounds like it's gonna be more work isn't that something you're trying to avoid <laughs> the thing is I don't actually do anything with these shows. I'm not editing them, and because I'm doing the video, I'm not going in and editing the audio to remove any type of deep breath or whatever. I'm just letting it all be as it is. I'm letting it be. In the in the words of the Beatles, you know, let it be, let it be, let it be. That's That's how the song goes, right? Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Let the podcast go unedited. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the plan going forward, at the very least. So we shall see how all that goes. Alrighty, alrighty. Uh, before I get to what I've been playing, just a few games. Got three games to talk about on today's episode. I do want to touch upon Star Trek The Original Series, which I just finished the second season of and have now moved into the third and final season, which is widely and I think universally considered to be the worst season and overall to be just a bad season. I don't think anyone said, just, just skip it. You don't even need to bother with it. I think there are a handful of episodes people do think are pretty good, worth watching. And I probably could just skip to those. But I don't like doing that with series. If I'm into a series and I'm committed to it, I'm going to watch all of it. And so far, three? I think I'm three episodes in. <laughs> it's fucking horrible. Holy shit, I can't believe it. I, the thing is... It's not just kind of meh. It's actively fucking horrible. I don't know how it happened, why it's happening, but it's it's bad. These storylines are terrible. The acting seems actually bad instead of just hamming it up and chewing the scenery and, and just being very pleasantly genre and and all that it's it's like i'm watching 
of a bunch of washed up actors and they're not washed up but i'm still enjoying this series or i'm not enjoying it anymore and i don't know if season three is going to just be this way forever i hope it's not but the first two seasons i really really enjoyed of course there are misses but i really ended up liking it quite a bit to my pleasant surprise i will say i think this is a minority opinion but dr mccoy is my least favorite character and it's because he has such a prominent role he's one of the main characters you could easily say someone like Chekhov is more annoying but he doesn't have that significant of a role and and Chekhov is mostly annoying because his hair is so terrible i think what Anton Yelchin did in the new movies was very, very good. He, he did a lot to make that character much more likable. Now watching the original series and seeing his take on the character, even though it's not like a drastic difference, it, it's clear that he is one of the biggest positives or good increases over the original series. There are a lot of things that are weaker in the new movies compared to the original series, but he is definitely one of the aspects that is better than the original. But I don't like Dr. McCoy. Eh, it's not that I don't like him. He's just the character I like least. He's the most annoying, but it's all by design. It is who he is. One of the weird things is that I guess canonically, both McCoy and Scotty are supposed to be like 10 years older than Kirk and Spock. And in reality, both the actors were 10 years older. The thing is, McCoy, his actor, he doesn't look 10 years older. He looks like 30 fucking years older. He looks like shit. He looks so old. Whereas Scotty, he could, he could pass for being the same age. Physically, he's kind of more old shapey but uh mccoy just looks so old with those big bags under his eyes too he just looks so old and his personality is that way as well and that's why i think he is annoying because usually he's he's pretty acceptably annoying he's whatever annoying but sometimes he's a little bit too annoying and it's because he plays sort of the dad role the old fogey role the stuck in the mud role he is the old guy who won't change his ways, thinks he's right like your dad. He's just like, oh, I know everything. Just, just fucking believe me, trust me. And the arguments he gets in, his defenses, his opinions, he's just so freaking frustrating to, to watch it sometimes. And he's a bit of an asshole. The way he is with Spock, especially because they are the two sort of yin and yang to Kirk, the emotional side and the logistical side, his just emotions are like, ugh. He is definitely, he would definitely be a Trumper. That's, that's all you need to know about McCoy. 100% a Trumper. And I don't, I don't want to say that Carl Urban's McCoy is drastically better. I think he's more likable. But at the same time, he's only in a handful of movies and not being spread across a whole series. But 
overall, very, very good. I really, really, it's, it's amazing how much I like Spock in the original series when my first exposure to him was the new movies. And I thought it was just such a horrible, unlikable piece of crap, even though he gets a little bit better. I think what's his face from heroes. No, 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 no. Did not like him, but the original series is pretty good. Pretty good. Not sure if the third season will be salvageable in any way. If it really is a season that has some redeeming qualities or not. I think I've read quite often that the last episode of Star Trek, the original series, is easily the worst and a horrible way to end the series on, a horrible note to end it on. And I think part of it is because it's very sexist and other shit. I don't know. I don't know. And I will know when I get to it because I'm three or four episodes in. I think just three. And the third season is like 17 episodes. But I don't know what I'm going to watch after that. I might jump to the movies, but I might transition to something else. I'm not sure. My queue is completely empty. I don't have any movies that I'm really <laughs> uh, itching to watch that I haven't already. Or, or things that are out there. And I, I haven't talked about this on the podcast, but I am very against watching movies, especially. I'll watch series. I'll pretty much give in to any series. But watching movies on Netflix or any streaming service is something I'm very hesitant towards because I am a physical collector of media, uh, especially movies and TV shows when it's available. I like doing that. I like owning those particularly. I'm over it with games. I'm over it with music. Uh, but uh, with movies and TV shows, movies especially, because TV shows I've kind of given up on because just the industry has not gone along with that or just releases things on DVD at this point. I don't like the idea of watching something on Netflix, say, and really, really liking it and then being unable to own it or having to go about some weird means to do it. For instance, my name is Dolomite or Dolomite is my name. I forget the actual title of that movie, but I really, really like that movie in part because I'm a big Rudy Ray Moore fan. I love his movies. I think he is not, I don't think the Rudy Ray Moore movies are so bad. They're good. I think they are, he's really not heartwarming, but the, the love and passion that went into the making of them can't be unnoticed when watching them. And he has an incredible way with words and being able to take words off the page and say them in a kind of beautiful way. Like, I just think Rudy Ray Moore is fantastic. I, lo I love him. And I thought the biopic was really, really good. It is one of the handful of times where I've really liked Eddie Murphy. Wesley Snipes was a very pleasant surprise in it. And the whole cast was really good. And it's a great movie. But if I wanted to own it, there is a Blu-ray available on eBay. I don't know. I don't know where it's from. It, it's a very good-looking package-wise 
has to be bootleg. But it looks very well put together. But if I wanted to get a legit version of it on Blu-ray, because I think it is available via this way on Blu-ray as well, not just DVD. But the only way would to be uh, to get a screener from the award season that they pass out and just put in like a slip or something. And those go for 60 plus. I don't know. It's it's a lot. And it's a lot for just essentially a loose disc. Or it comes like a really cheap fold-out little thing. And that sucks. Just put it on Blu-ray. For the love of God. And the thing is, man, Netflix, you could make some money by just having an, uh, a made-on-demand, an MOD service. Where you charge an arm and a leg and you don't mass-produce these things. You just make them when somebody wants them so you can have on the website or whatever. Did you like this movie? Would you like to own it on Blu-ray? For just $29.99, $39.99, we'll do it. We'll put it in a nice little basic package. And we'll print the disc for you. Well, we will hard print it. What what is the term for it? Because uh, I don't want to. I don't want to burn disc. It needs to be pressed. I want to press disc. Give me a press disc. As long as you press the disc and it's not some BDR bullshit, I'll pay a hefty sum for a movie I really really love. That's why I haven't watched that Black Western yet because. I'm I'm so sure I'm going to love it. And then as soon as I finish watching it, I'm going to be like, I want to own this. And I can't. And the only movies that tend to make it are movies where they had like a partnership with Netflix. Or, yeah, I think that's kind of it. I don't know if anything that they've made made themselves has made its way to Blu-ray. The Shaun the Sheep movie that they have is finally getting released from Shout Factory, I believe, which is nice. Excited about that. Haven't watched it yet because of that very reason, and now I can. So uh, so that that one might have had already an international release. It might also have an international 4K release. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, enough about all that. Let's get on to what I've been playing. I spent enough time talking about not things I'm playing. So I've got two visual novels and a survival horror game, which is weird. Visual novels, because, you know, not a big visual novel fan. These are... All right, first up is Mothman 1966. And this is a visual novel with a very classic pixel aesthetic, like... Oh, man. I don't, I don't want to say, like, Maniac Mansion and stuff, but there are... There was this collection of games that it reminds me of but it's very nes and it's visual aesthetic and very black and green and it's got an x filesy vibe because it's about this i mean the mothman is a one of those not mythological what are they called they're not called mystics they're the paranormal a paranormal creature character creature uh, cryptids? Is that what they're called? Cryptids, I think? I vaguely know this stuff because I've helped host a... Not host, but like just on my site. I'm like, here. I'll 
put the files here so that people can download from here. You know what I mean? That kind of hosting. Not hosting like, <laughs> hi, hi, I'm I'm talking about uh, paranormal shit because I know stuff about it. But it's about this small town or whatever. Mothmen are coming about. You play three different characters switching between them via chapters. One owner of a gas station who has a grandmother who can't walk. And then a couple, a man and his girlfriend, who are making their way there to celebrate the relationship or whatever. And it's well written, but it's very mystery driven. And in my hour and a half or so with the game, I I just didn't really know. I, I wasn't driven to keep playing it because I felt like they were just throwing a lot of questions without ever giving me any answers or hints of answers or reasons to even care about answers. I just felt like I was confused the whole time. And <laughs> that might be the point, but I, it just didn't do that much for me. I like the look of it. I like the fact that it seems somewhat choose your own adventure. And I love those books growing up where you'll come across points where you have to make decisions. And depending on the decisions you make, you may lead down a path that leads to your death. And then you'll have to start over from the most recent checkpoint, which won't be that far back. And that I really, really like. But it didn't seem like there were that many instances of that. In fact, in my time with it, there was only one where I ended up dying. And that could just be because in all the other situations where I could have gone on the wrong path, I was always on the right path or I always chose the right decisions. But if there are more instances like that, more moments of choice that could lead to death or the game ending for this reason or that reason. I'm, I'm into that. I like that type of structure. That's what I kind of want out of visual novels. I don't really need mini games or interactive elements of that sort. All I really want is a visual choose your own adventure game because I love those books. And while you can still do that in book form, it's kind of nice to do that in a video game form where instead of reading something and it's like, go to page 123, now go to page 64, now go to page 82, and, and having to go back and forth all over this text, just having the game automatically take you to the next point without you having to go back and forth, back and forth, that's, that's desirable. But uh, it was... Okay, I remember when I was playing it and I had to, one of the interactive bits was looking through binoculars to look at this creature in a tree, which was uh, one of the Mothmen. I had to focus it, which I don't know. If, I mean, do binoculars work this way? Or did they used to work this way where it, it seemed like I was fo okay, focusing each individual lens? And that was. Like, what? Not both at the same time? Okay. Okay. But as I was doing this to reveal the creature and what it looked like, 
I, upon getting it nice and clear, I was like, "Ooh, that that kind of looks like a Mothman." Oh, that that that's some that's a that's a cryptid, right? And then I realized, oh yeah, the fucking game is called Mothman, 1966. You dumbass. And that was that was a funny moment for me. I had a laugh. I hope you had a laugh too, just then and there. But it's okay. I think if you're really into the whole cryptid, Mothman, paranormal thing, you'd probably get a kick out of it because the. The atmosphere and all that is very, very good. But there are plenty of instances, like when you're playing as the couple and they're having their relationship problems and talking about this and that, where it's just like, this is going on quite a while. I'd rather just get to the mystery. The The opening section is a lot stronger because it's playing up the mystery. I think that's more so the issue than it providing a lot of questions without answers is that it does ask a lot of questions or, or it's, it's putting out a lot of questions making you ask a lot of questions early on but it's also having all these moments where you're not getting questions and you're not getting answers and you're just getting this <laughs> who gives a shit relationship problems crap like i don't care about this couple they kind of i mean they don't suck but they're not that interesting not as interesting as the gas station owner with a grandmother who can't walk, but he had some dream where she was walking into the woods and this creature comes and the men in black come to talk to him and he's playing solitaire and he takes a bite out of the cards, one of the men in black, and it's creepy and weird and that's good. I like that. Also, there's a solitaire game in it and that's where I stopped playing it because it is basically tri-peak solitaire, but the way it works is that if you've never played Tri Peaks, Tri Peaks Solitaire, it's also called Pyramid Solitaire in some places. Yahoo Games, especially, been around for a very long time. It was one of the most popular versions of Solitaire. My mom played the hell out of it like 20 years ago or whatever when it first showed up. And I played a lot of it when I was a youth. And I, I still play it. I, I love it. But the way it works is that so in Tri Peaks Solitaire, you have three peaks that's why it's called tri-peaks or three pyramids why you could also call it pyramids and the cards are all face down with the ones on the front face up like the solitaire and all that and how you go about clearing the board uh clearing the table is you'll have your your pile your your draw pile and then one face card one card face up and the face card up the up card face <laughs> The card face up next to the draw pile, if it's a three, for instance, you can place a card that is either one number higher or one number lower. So you can place a two on it or a four and then so on and so forth. And that's how you clear the board by doing that. And the caveat, the modifier with this impossible solitaire, which is what they call it in the game, is that you have to get, get? guess bet you they call it betting but you're just you're guessing what the next card is going to be color wise so is it going to be black or red if you're wrong game's over and that's that's it that's the one difference and it i played it for maybe like 10 minutes and i got so close and when i didn't make it on the the game that was destined for winning 
I was like, all right, fuck this game because I refuse to continue that game until I beat Impossible Solitaire. So if I ever go back to the game, I'm still not progressing the story until I beat Impossible Solitaire. I'm going to show and prove that it is fucking possible. Because fuck you, I love Solitaire. But the other game I played is Milky Way Prince, the Vampire Star, the other visual novel that is. And this is... This is a very good visual novel, but there is a disclaimer. It is covering abuse and specifically like a relationship abuse on a, on a emotional level. I don't know if there will be any physical abuse that comes into play in the story, but I... I didn't get to the parts where I'm sure it gets even worse and, and more triggering, but I could see where it was going. And because I have experience with that type of thing, it wasn't something I wanted to continue engaging with. It's very well done. It has a good mood. and I, It's hard talking about it because... I, it was just hard for me to continue playing it because it's not something I personally want to experience again for enjoyment purposes. I like that there is a game or that there are games like this that cover these types of topics because I think we should be able to have games that cover all ranges of topics, especially if they're handled with care and done well and this is done by someone who experienced this it is semi autobiographical or completely autobiographical I believe and the, the story surrounds the vampire star the, the Milky Way Prince who you you play as a kind of you, you have a lot of self doubt and negative opinions of yourself you may have mild body dysmorphia like you're you're definitely someone who has low self-esteem and you latch on to this person you look at as the milky way prince very fast there there are a lot of sexual things that happen as well just in terms of explicit dialogue like it's it's not for kids it's not for those who have experienced abuse and are easily triggered and or don't want to experience that again but if you're open to something that is exploring topics like abuse it's it's worth checking out it's it's worth playing but just keep in mind and they, and they put the disclaimer on the store pages and and stuff so you you won't stumble upon it and get uh surprised by any of that but yeah it's 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 well done but because of the topic and all that it's, it's something that i just was not 
wanting to play more of after a point because I could clearly tell where this relationship was going. The Milky Way Prince, that character, is clearly very possessive and manipulative and the way he talks to you is is something I can personally relate with very closely and doing things that and saying things that are trying to make you do the things they want out of guilt out of etc and remembering those moments in my life was not something I particularly enjoyed but I think that goes to show that it, it was doing a good job because it was it, it, I did not think it was inauthentic in any way. And it, it reminded me very much of my own experiences because of its authenticity, despite the fact that there is this magical element to it with this whole Milky Way Prince thing going on and it's a, a star that has fallen from the sky and there are these magical elements happening. But yeah, just keep all that in mind. And the last game I played is Phobia St. Dinfna Hotel. Hate the title because D-I-N-F-N-A Hotel. What the fuck? Why? What are you doing this to me? We got Winkle Jatilla Dinfna. God, fucking what's happening with the indie games and their titling? This is probably an actual word. But um, this is a survival horror game. First person survival horror game that is clearly inspired by Resident Evil. All versions of it. I think the area is very clearly, this hotel is very clearly inspired by the first Resident Evil, but then gameplay is inspired by like Resident Evil 7 with the first person elements and all that and just the way it looks, feels, and, and, and seems very 70. But I played it for maybe close to two hours and it, works in a very similar way in that you'll have your safe rooms that have chests that you can store items in you will have instead of a typewriter a clock that you take your little pocket watch and you put it up to it and then you can save there unlimited save so you don't have to worry about ink ribbons or i don't know batteries for your your watch your little pocket watch and it's surprisingly good i didn't there are a lot of games like this. I was not expecting this to be anything particularly great, but I was having a good time. I don't know how much more I'll play just because it's supposedly like a seven, eight hour game, I think. I don't know if it's going to reach a point of spookiness that I can't deal with, but so far in the first few hours, it has its spookiness, but not too much that I'm like, nope, nope. There were even spiders. One jumped me and got all up in my face. I did not like that. That was the worst part. But there are a lot of, because I think the, the main ghost of the ghost of the game is this little girl in a gas mask. And there will be plenty of instances where you maybe are looking through a door that has a chain link keeping it closed right now. There's clearly going to be a point where I get some bolt cutters and I'm going to open all these doors. 
but there'll be instances where you look at it, you're, you examine it, and then you just see her walk by. Or you'll walk all the way to this uh, end of the hallway, and when you turn around, you'll see a figure in the distance that wasn't there. And when you walk by, or, or when you start walking there, you might have to move over to the side, and it'll be out of your view. And when it's back in your view, they'll be gone. There was an instance where I went downstairs to check out this area, and when I went back upstairs, there was this little bunny with a heart waiting for me at the top of the stairs. Didn't do anything, but it just wasn't there originally. And it does a lot of stuff like that, where things will change gradually or slightly uh, from when you first enter a space to when you leave it or when you return. And that kind of stuff, I think, is very good at making one feel tense and uncomfortable and nervous because clearly something is happening, but it's all happening while you're not there and you don't know who's doing it, what's doing it, etc. That works on me. And the fact that it is a survival horror game, you do get a gun hour-ish, hour and a half into the game. Gunplay doesn't feel that great, but you can turn on aim assist. There's quite a bit of accessibility options. There's an ammo assist option that apparently will, with boss fights, provide you with additional ammo to suit your needs, depending on how you're doing, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play more, which is more than I was expecting. I, I thought I'd probably check out very quickly, but I said this before, with survival horror games, or horror games just in general, if you give me a way to defend myself, if it's not just a game where all I can do is run and hide, if I run into a monster or something of that ilk, I'm okay. I, I can handle a game like that because I have a way to defend myself. If I don't have a way to defend myself, then I, I don't... To me... Yes, those games are scary in the sense that I'm a big baby and I can't handle them, but they're not scary in a, I don't want to say legitimate way. They're just really cheap scares. Sure, I think, you know what? Anyone can make a game scary if they fucking take away all ability to defend oneself, all agency, and just make it so that if you run into a monster, you're fucked or you just have to run and hide. That's, that's not fun to me. That's not enjoyable. Because it's just so repetitive and boring in my eyes. It's not scary. It's just like, okay, well, what's the point? You know, you know what's the point is? I'm, there's no point. I ain't doing. It. I ain't doing it. Uh uh. So, uh, I'm interested. For uh, I say I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what else is there. Because the, the story surrounds you go into this hotel. You're a young graduate. Who wants to become an investigative reporter and you get contacted by someone who lives in this town that's kind of like been gradually i think going under and losing people but you go to this hotel nothing really happens your contact never meets you and then apparently you were knocked out and it's a year later and you don't know what's going on and you have to figure out the mystery of this hotel there were a bunch of maybe 20 miners or so that died there and it's it's got a decent story decent voice acting uh yeah 
inventory management. Not not to the extent where you have to rotate things, but it also doles out inventory packs that increase the number of slots you have very quickly and at a very weirdly frequent pace where it's just like here's another pack here's here's some more slots here's some more slots here's i'm like okay fine i'll take these slots quite a bit of puzzles not too bad and another one of the main mechanics of the game is that you being a photojournalist you have a camera and by using your camera by looking through it you are able to see an alternate version of this space and i don't know if it's meant to be from the past or just an alternate reality of it but in the same time and this allows you at times to move through areas so a wall may be broken in the ghost area let's just call it the, the ghost area the, the the viewfinder area and you'll be able to collect objects and and key items in the alternate area alternate space that aren't in the regular world etc and vice versa so using this mechanic one is something that makes the game a little bit more unique and, and gives it its own identity but also it's just it's, it's cool it's a cool little mechanic got a nice visual look to it you have a flashlight eventually too that isn't run off battery power so it's just there it's always there you don't have to worry about batteries love that love that and there is i played on xbox series x there is a ray tracing mode you turn that on it runs like shit don't turn that on i don't think the visual improvement you get from it is worth the performance dip in any way because i don't even think it feels like a buttery smooth 60 without ray tracing on with it on i don't even know if it hit a locked 30. it felt really really bad and i don't know if that's just how 30 feels when transitioning between 60 and 30 but i just another example of me feeling like i've become a 60 fps snob i've yet to experience 120 fps or anything above 60 and i doubt that would be as drastic of a difference but i don't think there will ever be an instance where a game's visuals are so much better when playing in 30 fps that i'd ever not choose to play in 60 fps that buttery smooth gameplay is just too good to pass but uh yeah that's phobia saint definitely i mean if you, if you like resident evil especially the later ones the first person ones definitely check it out it's a solid take on the genre does a few unique things and is just well put together there are a lot of games like i said that are doing similar things but Saint is a, it's a good one. Before I wrap things up, though, we have one question, one patron question. Because I, you know, I didn't give people that much time. And, you know, I'm doing these two episodes potentially. But from Lunchbox, excluding to the moon, what game do you wish you could completely forget and experience for the first time again? Funny thing, Lunchbox, to the moon is not a game I would do that with because I don't think the surprise or the unknowing aspect is in any way related to why i loved to the moon and i don't think having that experience erased from my memory would make my eventual replaying of it better that's that's not something or not a game where i think that's important 
because it wasn't that it was such a pleasant surprise or whatever that I ended up loving it. But the number one game I'd probably do that with is Bioshock, which is one of my favorite games of all time. And maybe it is the only game that I've actually marathoned. I think I did it with Grand Theft Auto 4 as well. But Bioshock is the game that got me to buy an HDTV, uh, which I still own. It's only 720p. I think it does 1080i, but I don't really know what the i is compared to p and any of that jazz. But it was the game that got me to buy an HDTV. So it brought me into the HD age. And I played it in one sitting, almost took a break at like 3 in the morning to sleep for a few hours. And then when I woke up, I finished it. But I adore that game so much. The... Reveal, would you count me? It worked on me. I know there are people, especially after the fact, who kind of are like, ugh, ugh, I don't like that. It's like, it's so cheap, it's garbage, bit, 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 bit. You know, some naysayers, but I think overall people are still pretty fond of all that. And I just had a very strong emotional response to the little sisters and saving them, where a lot of people shit on the ending for just being a minute or minute and a half long cutscene. And I can see shit on it if you got the bad one. But if you got the bad one, you got what you deserve because you were a piece of shit. But seeing that cutscene of just all these girls' hands becoming adults, young adults, achieving various things, you know, graduating college, becoming this employee, like becoming a doctor or whatever, like, and then them all grasping your hand on your deathbed. But just seeing all those hands and knowing I did that. I did that. I gave all these girls these lives that they never would have had if I didn't save them. And it's because I saved them. And I didn't choose to harvest them. It worked on me so, so strongly. Yeah, the, the boss fight is trash. But it, it in no way took away from the whole experience. And I adore that game so much. So that would be my number one. And then probably Knights of the Old Republic is another one because that is a game where the reveal worked on me and the whole story was so strong for me and watching Basila struggle and being able to save her through my love, which I felt a very strong feeling towards her. When I first played it, and when I played it again the second time, it, it's my favorite story in video games, probably. In, in just the sense that I felt most connected to all of it. And it, it helps that it's a very longer experience, but I felt a very personal attachment to it. I've said it before, it is the, the game, the experience that made me Think to myself, hey, maybe maybe Star Wars, the the prequels were actually really, really good. And then I bought them all on DVD at Walmart. And I was like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Um But yeah. Those are the, the two that come to mind. My favorite game of all time, Metal Gear Solid. I'm sure that'd be nice, but I, I don't feel like I need to experience that fresh. Definitely don't need that with Morrowind or Deus Ex. 
<sighs> so the Bioshock is easily number one, and then Kotor would be a strong number two. But it's, I mean, it's not a number two in that it's not poo-poo. It's a very, very good game. Don't, don't, don't misquote me on that. But uh, yeah, that will do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Once again, I am Mark Kuznets. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. Speaking of Twitter, man, I need to get like some other clients for Windows and something else on iOS because... I think part of the reason why I don't really use Twitter anymore is because the native app experience is so fucking shit. It's horrible. I hate it so much. But I am at PX Sausage there and pretty much everywhere. If you'd like to see all my links or find all my links of imports, you can do that over at pixelatedsausage.com slash PXS. Of course, if you're watching this on the YouTube, please do like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications if you haven't already. And uh, that is where I stream as well. You can check out the archives of streams in the playlist. And that is a good way to see these games that I talked about, me playing them, and how I'm feeling about them as I'm playing them. So they, they make a good companion piece to this show and attack the backlog, etc. Just played through a short hike. The whole playthrough is available now. So you can check that out. But uh, yeah, you do all that. And uh, if you do like any of this stuff I do and what have you, you can go over to patreon.com slash PXS and support me and my nonsense that way. And of course, if you become a patron, one, one, you should join the discord, but if you become a patron, you can ask me questions that I'll answer here. And that's the only way to do it. If you're not a patron and you ask me a question, guess what? My answer? Fuck you. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, but not really. Or am I? Uh, yeah, that is, that is it. So, uh, as always, appreciate all of you. I uh, hope you enjoyed this here episode. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye! Ooh.